I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come out of your houses. Clarence Hillian is going to make you a super human being. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It is episode 22, the double deuce of Crackpot Cinema. I am uh, Mike McPadden, the author of Teen Movie Hell and Heavy Metal Movies. Joining me from Los Angeles is my co-host, Aaron Lee. Oh, God. <laughs> my voice gave out right when I said my own name. Aaron <laughs> Lee. Mike, what what happened there? You lied. It's not your real name. We all know. You're it. right. God, it finally yeah. comes out. I, I claim to be Aaron Lee, the uh, uh, writer and producer of TV shows like Family Guy and Superstore and stuff yeah. like that. But really, he's just a super fan of Hyapatia Lee. And he took yes. her name. <laughs> I remember Hyapatia Lee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, joining us, oh, go ahead. No, no, Aaron, please, no, something no. on Hyapatia no, Lee. I mean, we don't need to go through a long Hyapatia Lee sidebar. Yeah. She was in the issue of Penthouse I had as a kid with George Burns and Vanessa Williams on the cover. Oh, God, she's nude, which we've talked about a hundred times, Mike. I so had that was Tracy Lords. <laughs> yes. Yeah, star-studded issue. I mostly remember George Burns. I don't remember these other ladies. I mostly enjoyed the George Burns appearance, if you know what I mean. And from New York, our guest, introduce yourself, please. I'm Jonathan Hertzberg. And what do you do? Who are you? Oh, gosh. Okay. So you're not getting... <laughs> I'm used to getting the intro. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, so that's oh, a, no. Here, let, me, let me explain. <laughs> no, I actually made no. a little notes about this. So, so Jonathan Hertzberg is someone I have become friendly with on Facebook. Uh, I am very familiar with his work. I, I love it and admire him. And uh, I realized, like, I don't know anything about you. So sure, okay. Who are you? <laughs> so, so I uh, I work for uh, Kino Lorber uh, as my day job, and I I oversee the uh, Kino Lorber Repertory label, and doing theatrical sales and uh, you know marketing and some acquisitions when they listen to me. And uh, recently, I've launched my own uh, film and music label, which is called Fun City Editions. And I'm hoping that we'll talk about that more than anything uh, else. Yes, I, I believe we're going to because we are uh, diving deep this week into Fun City Editions 001, Alphabet City from 1984. Uh, so Fun City, uh, so how did you come up with that name? Right, right. So um, I, I've always had a fascination for as long as I can remember with uh, with films shot in New York. I mean, I always had, a, I grew up outside of the city. And, and so I think I've, I've, where'd you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I love I, Jersey. Where yeah. about, where about? So I grew up in a couple of different towns, uh, Montclair. And then, uh, oh, that's a nice place. And then, yeah, nice town, very nice town. And then Livingston, which is a few minutes away, um, from there. So, uh, so fun city. Um, I think, as a cinephile and as a as a New York obsessive, of course you you soon gravitate towards all the films that were made in New York in the you know late '60s through the '80s and Fun City, uh, the Fun City era of New York, you know, is encompassed in there. And and so, um, so again, as a student of of 
So Fun we City. should say, though, that Fun City, as I understand it, uh, was spoken by Mayor John Lindsay, the very handsome liberal Republican of the early 70s. That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, as New York was really heading to hell in a, in a, a hot basket, yeah. um, I believe he promised to turn New York into Fun City. Now, what he said was uh, it was it was at the start of a transit strike. Right, and he and he was uh, and he was talking about how he was riding around on his bike, and uh, right. and he said, "I still think it's a fun city." Oh wow, yes. that's even that's so much greater than mm-hmm. what I heard. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I should say now here's another Jersey connection. I spent my my grandmother and grandfather lived in Keensburg, New Jersey, okay. a little town on Raritan Bay. Okay. And uh, there is an ancient amusement park there with some great 70s commercials you can look up on YouTube. And they had the major arcade was called Fun City. Oh, uh, wow. In the 70s. They changed it after the John Lindsay thing. Before that, it had been <laughs> the Crystal Palace because they oh. had fake chandeliers. Oh, It was wow. very fancy. It had an indoor miniature golf course and it was the place to be as a nine-year-old trying to win uh, 10,000 skee-ball tickets to get a pack of kiss cards. So. Well, well, there were definitely places in New York that I think adopted the name as well. Uh, I I I produced these uh, these uh, like video essays, video mashups several years ago uh, called uh, "Dirty Old New York," aka Fun City, and I actually spotted in uh, the uh, uh, Barbara Streisand movie "Up the Sandbox." It, she's like doing some shopping with her kids and you can see on an awning fun city i think it's like a pharmacy or something like that and i have to think that was all sort of a middle finger to mayor lindsay <laughs> oh it's also oh. great yeah, yeah yeah no absolutely it was used it was it was used against him ironically yeah 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 what was the b movie mike that lindsay was in it's in the golden turkey oh, Awards, is remember? it rosebud i thought it was bug I, I thought it was bug, Maybe the William bug. Castle thing where the bugs yeah. shoot fire out of their butts. And spell words. Damn I, it. Yeah. We got to look that up. I didn't know he was in a movie. I mean, he, I knew. Yeah. Yes. He nominated for worst performance by a politician. I'm mortified. We can't <laughs> That's right. bust I, I, that I, out. I'm pretty sure it's bug. It could. I'm going to say Rosebud? it's Rosebud and we're going to wager. Okay, maybe. We're going to wager uh, a cameo. On was, there you go. Let's. Was yeah. he like, was he a frustrated actor? Was that the story? Well, or, he was very handsome, like a he, movie star. Yeah, and he yeah. dated um, Mrs. Brady, Florence Henderson. Oh wow! And she, he said she uh, wrote in her memoir that he gave her a social disease. <laughs> I heard that. I did hear that. Well, the other the other thing about uh, uh, you know about the um, that whole era of films and why there are you know so many films shot in New York at that time is because Mayor Lindsay, to his credit, uh, was the was the mayor who established uh, the the office for film and television production in New York. Wow. Well, that that's that makes it truly a fun city. So that's great. He did it. He was right. So uh, how did you come about um, the so what made so you have the label Fun City Editions now? Hey, it's Rosebud, by the way. It is. Aaron you owes win. me a cameo. I, I have you. to get a cheesy celebrity to make a cameo video does, for Mike. And make it, him plug the uh, podcast, which I did not okay. do when I uh, hired the unknown comic to I send the cameo. Isn't that, an, isn't that an Otto Preminger film? Am, am I mistaken? Like one of his last? I think it is. Yeah. Wow. So what makes a Fun City Edition movie, you know, release? 
What's oh. the label all about? So, so even though I call the label Fun City, if I was going to limit myself only to you know Fun City movies specifically, that would that would be a little tough to maintain. So I I kind of broaden the definition um, or the the uh, the company mission, as it were, uh, to to be about films and and some music, some some albums as well uh, that I that I like to say are that they exist outside of their time, which is another way of saying they were before their time or just, you know, you can't, you can't really, you can't really call them uh, a seventies movie per se. There's something else or an eighties movie or something. There's something more, uh, more to it. Um, well, that's good. So, uh, no, so what brought in, alphabet city into fun city? So, well, so alphabet city, uh, I mean, some of it's also about, licensing and and what properties sure. yeah. properties are available and uh, you know i was able to license a handful of titles from the mgm library and uh, alphabet city is is part of that library it helps i like the fact that it's a new york movie it's a little bit technically later than the fun city era but uh the other thing about it and all of the films um that i've licensed in this in this package is there films that haven't appeared on blu-ray yet and for the most part, actually not even in HD anywhere. So that was kind of important to me. So Alphabet City to me just seemed like a title. I was surprised that no one had put it out. Uh, it has elements in it that I think are kind of, uh, have been fashionable, are fashionable now and have been for the last several years. I'm talking like stylistically. And it just seems to, you know, because of how stylish that film is, that it, it, it lends itself well to being upgraded to, you know, HD or better. And, you know, it really hasn't been seen in, you know, in, you know, in that fashion or it's something close to that since it's theatrical release. So can can I ask a question before we get full on into Alphabet City? Sure. You you having your own you're, you're releasing movies under your own label. You're working for Kino Lorber. Yeah. I'm always curious, like, how do you how do you get to have a cool job and life like that? What, oh. how, how'd you get to do that? That's what I want to know. Well, I want to just. I, well, I want to do that. It's certainly not a road. The, the the path I took is not one I would recommend. I don't, it, you know, it was kind of a, it was definitely a convoluted path to get into theatrical sales. Um, but I did work previously a few times in, in film programming uh, and also a little bit in, in distribution uh, and then a bunch of other crap, which doesn't really apply. But uh, I think through that, I built up, uh, you know, some contacts and I had been actually living in, in Chicago, uh, Mike's, Mike's town. Um, yeah. and I was working for the, uh, the Chicago international film festival for a couple of years, about, I don't know, about, uh, 12 years ago or more. And I was doing programming for them. And so, and then I, I relocated to New York a little after that and I was looking for work. And so I just kind of contacted all of my distribution contacts that I, you know, had recently from the festival. I just started, you know, knocking on doors and I ended up, uh, at, at IFC films doing, uh, some sales for them, theatrical booking. So it's kind of like I switched spots from being on the exhibition side to the distribution side. And then eventually at Kino and, you know, and ultimately to this Kino Lorber uh, repertory label, because Kino has such a, you know, a big catalog and a big part of our catalog is, is not just contemporary films, but classic films. And that's where my interest really lies is in kind of uncovering and, and, un, you know, and digging up uh, the, the sort of classics and should be classics, would be classics. So. 
so just like us so <laughs> welcome aboard so, yeah and, and how has and 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 people and how has the market changed in time to in terms of like now you got this core crowd right uh-huh. that is it like like i always hear the thing about like well people aren't buying as many blu-rays but you have a smaller amount that are buying everything that comes Ooh. out right yeah, for yeah, for sure it's a smaller amount. It's definitely more niche. I guess it's sort of more in some ways akin to when laser discs were a thing. Um in that they those were, you know, marketed and really consumed by a, a loyal but small niche audience. And so the the flip the, the flip side to that or or kind of I think how you I think how most of the labels have have kind of proceeded uh is to really make their products collectible and and give those fans that are the hardcore collectors reasons to buy the film beyond just the film itself so that can you know that can be in all the extra content that you put in there to contextualize the film and packaging and all that so that you know it's something you're proud to have on your shelf awesome i mean kino is extraordinary i just want to say that they are my favorite video company because well, i've never it, it's every Every month, I can't believe the amount of stuff they're putting out, let alone the stuff they're putting out. Well, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a quantity model. It really, I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredible. Um, I can't take credit. I don't work on the home video side, believe it or not, over there, uh, which is part of the reason why I'm kind of sitting here talking to you about Fun City right. or why I'm doing Fun City. Uh, so give my, it's basically to give myself the opportunity to uh, to participate on that in that part of the, the release because I've always been... A collector and interested in publishing. So, but yes, uh, hats off to my colleagues at, at, on the video side at, at Kino because it is, and I can't keep up. People come up to me and they're like, "You guys are putting this out." I, said, I, I didn't know that. You knew that before I did because they don't they don't come and run stuff by me because I'm really on the theatrical right. uh, side. But so. uh, the Alphabet City I see is coming out through you know just the greatest label, uh, Vinegar Syndrome. So how's it working with those guys? Right. Uh, well, it just worked out that uh, through mutual friend who uh, put us together with MGM, uh, he, uh, and this friend of mine knew that I wanted to, you know, get into uh, curating some of my own titles from my own label. So it just so happened that you know Vinegar Syndrome was working with MGM, and, and uh, so so we collaborated, uh, and I contributed some titles. They have a bunch more that are in this package but uh but part of that was being distributed by them and uh, it's a great deal for me because i'm just starting out and so this would be a lot harder to do if i was really all truly by my lonesome but uh you know they've got it already a dedicated uh fan base and, and they have a whole machinery in place so it's pretty cool to be part of that hey yeah, i go way back with the- joe rubin I met him when there he was you go. 16. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's another Chicago connection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the video store? Odd Obsession? Odd Obsession. That's where I met him, and he just sort of, like, started talking to me about, uh, oh, I can't remember who those, but, you know, some porn star I couldn't, like, no 16-year-old kid should know, even at the, even in 1973, right, which is when she was from. Yeah. No, it's encyclopedic, his head is. It's yeah. not like anything else I've ever <laughs> experienced with a human being. I love him. And and does he does he live in a mansion, some kind of weird sex mansion filled with <laughs> film prints and and the lady in the logo walking around in her one yellow stocking and is that a, yes. is that an accurate? Y- yes. Okay. Yes. Great. You want me to call him and bring him in here? We can have <laughs> yes, that. desperately, uh, desperately. That's still have to interview in my Joe. Yeah, you should. You guys, we you have should. to. You should. All right. Um, that's happening. 
Um, or at least ask him. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, no, I mean, like, we were really good friends for, for a number of years here in Chicago. So. Uh, very I, cool. I, well, well, I mean, I should say we hung out a lot. Well, so. that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, but I can tell you that Vinegar Syndrome, their, their like, base in, in Bridgeport, Connecticut, is this massive warehouse space. And I've, I've been there a couple times, and it's, like, a football field-sized uh, warehouse filled with pallets of like film prints and negatives and things. I mean, I think there's two of those. In, in this and they have a physical story. video store, too. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. I, I haven't gotten over there to the store yet, but uh, yeah. Yeah, they've got a physical. So they're selling they're selling movies and music, and yeah, very cool. Um, so, that's, so that's the mansion. I don't think he lives there full time, though. That's no. awesome. Who knows? And, 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 and when they, you know, because I subscribe, I get their emails from Vinegar Syndrome, and so I saw Alphabet City being announced there. Do you, I'm curious when you, you announce, Hey, I'm putting alphabet city out. Do you hear from people who, Oh my God, I was obsessed with that movie, the cult kind of thing. Or is it more collectors who are like, Ooh, I'm just, I'm going to try out any title that sounds interesting. I think what, what kind of feedback do you get? Well, I haven't, I haven't gotten a lot, a lot of feedback directly, but I have, I will say I've been looking on like the Blu-ray.com forum because there is a lot of conversation there amongst the blue, the vinegar syndrome, uh, um, fans, uh, their consumers. So, and also on Facebook, they have a Facebook, uh, like official vinegar syndrome followers. So I'm kind of like at this point still sort of within that, even though I am a separate label. Um, so I've definitely seen where people are like, Oh, I don't know this movie, but the cover looks great. And vinegar syndrome, it's got their stamp of approval. So Boy, that's that cover some- is awesome. Who, who did that? Um, thank you. Yeah, that is uh, We Buy Your Kids. They're a, they're a husband and wife uh, team in Australia. And you've probably they've done a lot of Mondo stuff uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, diff- posters and things sure. like that. Some al- some album covers. Yeah, I just thought their their style just lended itself perfectly to this film. And, you know, I and would agree. And yeah. It, yeah, I wanted something that would be kind of eye catching and not sort of not the usual you see a lot of new artwork, which is like a collage and sort of more yeah. realistic-based drawings of the characters. So, I'm glad you dug it. And it seems like a lot of people that that caught, you know, that they didn't know the film, but the artwork caught their eye. And then, yeah, there's definitely been some people who have been like, who have seen the movie. I've seen on whether it's on Instagram or, you know, how, however they know about it, either because it's a New York movie or because of the Nile Rodgers music. Uh, there's there's definitely a lot of different things that can bring. Uh, you know, kind of a, a varied audience to it. As I recall, it was on HBO a lot. I think, I At think that, for a while. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Yeah. For sure. So what's your we're, personal we're, relationship to alphabet city? Well, I, I had, I had seen the film previously. I didn't see it when it was on HBO. I, I saw it later. I can't remember if it was on VHS or at some point when that DVD came out. Cause there is a DVD that they put out sort of in the, in the heyday. Uh, it was of interest to me, be, you know, because of the New York, mostly because of the New York thing. And then, you know, Vincent Spano having grown up watching things like Over the Edge and yeah. Baby, Baby It's You, I was a big fan. Um, and then and then the Nile Rodgers music, because I love Chic. I love, I, I'm, I'm totally a fan of all of that disco and post-disco uh, uh, music. And this is totally in that, you know, firmly, firmly within that, that genre. Uh, and then Amos Poe is just an interesting, you know, figure because he comes out of the no wave scene. Right. And I've always been, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, obviously it's way, it's before my time, but I'm, you know, very much a student of 
you know, kind of all of the emerging art that was coming out of New York in that, you know, fun city era, the, you know, whether it's no wave music, punk, uh, and then all of the, you know, the, the film that was coming out, this, the no wave cinema movement, which Amos right. Poe comes out of. So those are all things that made it appeal to me. Have you seen his other movies? I have seen Blank Generation, but it's been a long time. Right. I have to say, I actually have. I still have. I haven't had a chance to see Subway Riders or, or Unmade Beds. Um, I so. watched Subway Riders like in 1995 with Gregory Dark <laughs> at his house while wow. we were smoking pot. <laughs> and pot what did you? Does nothing for me. What did you and watch that on? Was it was it on VHS? He had a bootleg of it on VHS. Yeah. I understand there is a there is a, a I think it's on YouTube and. And yeah, it's on I, YouTube I, now because yeah. I watched some of it again. Yeah, yeah, you know, Amos is go- and he's going through a hard time right now. There was a New York Times uh, feature, like literally, like a few days before Alphabet City came out or got announced, uh, because he's kind of for he's been in some legal uh, battle with the with the heirs of his uh, co-director on uh, Blank Generation, Ivan Kral uh, from the Patty Smith Group, and right. so Amos has unfortunately lost control of like the copyrights on all of his films which is really i think a shame brutal uh, yeah, yeah horrible so Did he, they have a falling out i they, would imagine it looks yeah, like yeah they had some there i i don't i mean it's in there's this new york times feature yeah i read the had, times article i'll yeah. post it online it's really good yeah there so they had some kind of falling out and i mean now i mean uh, he passed away crawl passed away recently so it's really between his i guess his uh his wife or you know, From what I could glean, it was like Crawl was mad that he didn't get paid enough for theatrical screenings of these movies. I, I was like, were, how, how, what kind of money were they fighting over? Like oh, eighty-five bucks? Ex- exactly, exactly. And they're both, and and I guess they were both booking the film or saying, you know, right. it was. I don't know. It's just, it's a tr- it, to me, it's really sad because, like you said, yeah. these are these are not films anyone's getting rich off of or ever was going to get rich off right. of. But they're, you know, they are cultural. Uh, you know, um, they're they're they're. This is a key period, and these films should be. Yeah, out. they're archaeological treasures. They, yeah. they should they should be out there in a good version. And Amos, you know, he should be as the creator, a uh, 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 sole creator, I think, of most of them, except for yeah. uh, Blank Generation. I mean, he, he should be remunerated. Which is just um, a concert movie. I want to say we should mix it up with uh, Blank Generation, the Uli Lamo movie. It, yes, true, true. Thank you yeah. for clarifying there. Yeah, I think maybe one is called The Blank Generation. And I the think Amos' is, is The Blank yeah. Generation. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So, hap- and, and very happy that we had Amos involved in this Blu-ray. And he, I know, is really appreciative, you know, that uh, that the movie's back out there in, a, in such a, you know, nice-looking form. So, what are the bonus features on the disc? Yes, uh, so, well, so we have a... A commentary track that we recorded with Amos and uh, with his uh, longtime friend and cohort, Luke Sant, uh, author of... Oh, sure. Author Low of Life. Low Life, yeah. Great book. So they've known each other since they worked at the Strand Bookstore, they said, in like 1976. So wow. very cool to have... These guys were actually there. You know, you have so many people commenting, myself included, on this time period, this place. That we're, we weren't really... We weren't there. Um, and these guys actually were. So there's a lot of really cool insider moments in the commentary where, you know, Luke is like, is that that? That's the pet store, you know, over, you know, on third or Avenue. A. That's I great. I love yeah. that. It's very, in, you know, so it's insidery, uh, you know, 
There's some good stories that unfortunately we had to we had to cut. It wasn't wasn't my choice, but uh, you send know. them to us. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I promise we'll guard them. <laughs> but most With our of it, sterling reputations. Most of it is most of it is there, and I think it's I think it's you know, and, and Amos has a good memory of of uh, you know the making of the film, and so we have that, and then we have a new interview with Vincent Spano, uh, which great. is really really great because he doesn't do a lot of these. I've never seen him on any of these Blu-rays or DVDs ah. before, so it's very happy to get him. And uh, what else? I guess those are the main things. I mean, there's a trailer on there. There's a there's a photo gallery. Oh, I forgot. I almost forgot. We also have a video essay, which I always think is you don't see those that often on, on right. these discs. But a video essay by a filmmaker named Chris O'Neill, uh, who's who's from Ireland, and he and I have you know gotten to, gotten to know each other uh, you know mostly from you know facebook i mean how how else is it these days but i just yeah. kind of ha- i kind of had a, he's a he, he's a filmmaker that does a lot of stuff with like found footage and um and he's very you know he, he's someone like me that really appreciates actors and faces and so i just kind of thought that uh he would be he'd be good a good uh person to to look to for this and he did a great job so i think um it's a there's a lot of you know, there's 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 a, there's a, there's some meat on those bones. You know, in addition, in addition to the movie, but which right. really kind of give you a, um, you know, a a, a complete look uh, and give you that. I, I liked, like I said, to give context, historic context. The yeah. only person we could not get involved. I tried a lot. Was Nile Rodgers. Um, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, but as you. As you know, uh, the soundtrack, which is incredible, um, yeah. which should have been a hit. You hear this music and it stays in your head. I mean, the song from the the, the main song from the film. I had other people comment on Instagram. I, I've been hearing that song "Lady Luck" in my head for you know a week <laughs> since I watched the movie. And we found out that since Niall was producing Madonna at the same time that he was doing the Alphabet City score, she was actually in line to sing that song "Lady Luck." Wow. Uh, but according to Amos, like. Her price got. She blew up in the interim sure. between when it was recorded and when they right. like finally were going to get her contract done, and her right. price her price was too high. They so couldn't you could pay Vision Quest money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could hear her singing it though. You can totally hear it. for sure. Yeah. But the funny thing is, the woman who sings it is Maura Moynihan, who is the daughter of Daniel Patrick Moynihan. The, ah, the state time. senator. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, little factoids uh, that you pick up when you. That's when great. No, that's act. why I was like, "This is awesome." I don't have to do that much research. <laughs> Jonathan's just going to provide. Um, what else? Was let's I talk for a minute about oh, other uh, no wave filmmakers, because I was in. Uh, you know, I went to high school eighty two to eighty six in on Sixteenth Street and Six, so mm-hmm. I got to see a lot of their their you know relatively mainstream movies as they were playing theaters, like Smithereens, Vortex. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and so, uh, things like that. So that was super cool. Those were the ones that yeah. got you know that got more mainstream. Yeah. Right, right. Beth, they got Beth, real releases, commercial yeah, releases. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and there's so many you know Beth B, Susan Seidelman. You know, they're yeah, still, they're still active now. Yeah, um, yeah. And then so, of course you know Desperately Seeking Susan really brought. You know, it was just like a pipeline from that scene to Hollywood in a very, very sure. good movie. Yeah. yeah, and this was actually before, but it's a similar right. kind of narrative. Right. Where, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yes, Desperately Seeking Susan was more successful than Alphabet City was. Yeah, I'll tell you sure. a uh, my favorite of those movies, and it's it's a little after, but not really. Is uh, Paul Morrissey's Mixed Blood? Yes, I, I you know I actually haven't seen that film, but uh, I, I I know people that are partisans of it, and it's I saw it one. twice in the theater. And uh, it it was a real cult item at the time, 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause I saw it probably a couple of months apart and, um, it, then it just slipped away. Like, it has no reputation or anything. Yeah. But it does turn up on TCM Underground once in a while. Oh, interesting. Well, I think he may. Paul Morrissey, I think, has ownership of uh, of most of his films. Right. That may be one of them. I think those things are finally going to... I think a lot of those films of his are finally going to be coming out soon. God, Not- I wish. Because he is one of my favorites. Like, I think I like every one of his movies I've ever yeah. seen. And they're not available. I yeah, was yeah. I was thinking about it. Um, like it makes me nuts that there's no Blu-ray of uh, Flesh for Frankenstein, and uh, infuriating. Yeah, it, it makes me Andy nuts. Walls. And by the same, which I couldn't. Dracula. Yeah, I noticed that the producer of those movies, one of the producers, Andrew Bronsberg, also produced Alphabet City. That's it's right. funny to see all these. Yeah, that's right. Good call. Yeah. So I've wondered about those Morrissey movies. Like, why don't we get, why is he torturing us? Why is he yeah. sitting on a pile of these awesome movies? I mean, you know, it's like, a, I can't say for sure. I've heard things, but I'm not, I haven't actually dealt, right. tried, tried to, tried to pursue those films myself. But, you know, it's usually just, it comes down to, uh, you know, it comes down to money. It comes down to per, what the perceived value is sure. versus what the actual value is or what the realistic value is. So, but I think they're coming I, from what okay. I understand. I and then are. we should mention the cinema of trans. Transgression. So that would be like Nick Zed, Richard uh, Kern. Yes, yes. Um, you know, at that level. Because, I mean, I did not see those in theaters. But later, just a few years later, when I was college age, I was going to like, you know, basement clubs and, and seeing those things. Or there was a weird theater on 4th Street that Nancy Coleman ran. Wow. Uh, and I saw stuff there. Uh, Joe Coleman's wife at the or maybe they were ex I don't know. But uh, a little personal note, I want to say. I uh, I was friends with Nick Zed when I was drunken on drugs, and then after I got sober, I became friends with Richard Kern. So that's my connection to the cinema of transgression. <laughs> wow, wow! I think most and I of love those... Richard Kern. I love his movies, and I love him as a, a man. I think the way you saw them is how they were originally seen. Those cl- in, in yeah. clubs, yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a theater, and I'm forgetting now because I, I I didn't know we were going to talk a lot about No Age Cinema, so I didn't really, yeah. I didn't bone up before here. But uh, no, we're, I, we're we're going to talk about Alphabet City. But I think there was a there, what was yeah. there? There was a theater though. There was a theater. Um, you know, I think it was more like a storefront. But somewhere, right. maybe on St. Mark's Place or somewhere that was kind of like where all the No Wave films or a lot of them played or would premiere. I just can't, I can't remember what it's yeah, called. Yeah, if they were premiering, I was too young. But this was like 87 to, you know, 90. Well, there's a there's a new doc that actually Beth B. did on, on uh, Lydia Lunch. Um, wow. Jesus. It's really Fantastic. good. And Richard. Oh, Kahn yeah, yeah. I saw that. I yeah, saw it. It was great. Saw, I loved yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's featured. It's He's featured in it. Yeah, it's really yeah. some really good really good interviews in that. Anyway, um. you know it's funny, Mike. You talking about the movies that were mainstream, desperately seeking Susan. This scene, uh, yeah. At this point in my life that you're talking about, I was in Lexington, Kentucky. You know, I was in like seventh or eighth grade, and I w- didn't get to hear about any of this stuff except for Nick Zed, Geek Maggot Bingo. <laughs> With Zachary, that must have yeah. been like his because it was constantly mentioned in Fangoria magazine. Do you really? remember that? Because yes, it really was. Yes, I do. Yeah, yes, of, constantly. And it's such a funny up. title to say and to write and talk. About. I was, yeah. I've still never seen it to this day. I've got to see Geek Maggot Bingo. Have you seen it? Oh yeah. Oh, Have you, Jonathan? I, no, I haven't. Yeah. I have, no. <laughs> I, I, we, I'll say it I is not it. a professionally made film. <laughs> to quote sure. Gene Siskel on Little Indian Big City, <laughs> this is not a professionally made film. I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, I feel like that that was the most mainstream Nick Zed movie uh, by my count. Yeah. 
Uh, I also, we should talk about Amos Poe's music videos. This I learned today. Mm-hmm. So oh, he wow. directed You Talk Too Much by Run DMC and Obsession by Animotion. I mean, those are, you yeah. know, pantheon videos. Big, man. big videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, he says on the commentary that, uh, um, you know, Michael Mann looked at Alphabet City and looked at looked at it, you know, as, a, as like a template for Miami Vice. And he hired Oliver Wood, who shot uh, Alphabet City. Oh, how about that? But, that makes sense. And, and Abel Ferrara apparently was told uh, Amos about this, and then and Amos said, "Oh, really? You got a job? Can he can he hire me too?" And then he said, "No, I don't." He, just, he said he doesn't want Amos Poe. He just wants the you know Amos Poe look. So, oh. uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's a, it's a shame because he didn't really get a lot of. I mean, you you mentioned those videos, which are pretty iconic, but right. there's not too many other. Uh, there's 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 not like a direct follow up feature film wise to Alpha no. City. I don't feel like. Definitely so not. so Amos Poe and Abel Ferrara were buddies or. Yeah, I mean they're in this. You know, they, I, I don't know yeah. how close, but they're definitely. A, you know, it, it's that New York. It's it's that same you know collective. We were you know filmmakers right. and, and artists at that time in the city. Well. So. This this movie, watching Alphabet City, it reminded me of like in Lexington, Kentucky, I ended up managing a video store in the like early to mid 90s, you know, mm-hmm. and and VHS tapes of like this and King of New York were so popular, like and were rented by people just looking for action movies and mm-hmm. cop movies and stuff like that. And and we're, some of our most popular titles to steal, actually, <laughs> they, they would always get stolen, They'd get inspired by the movies. Yeah. Yeah, but it reminded me of King of New York in a way in that it was the, a similar like you're it was an art film that it, that it was right. like mm-hmm. on one level you could take it as more of an art film where you're expecting just this straight up crime film. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good call. And I guess. Yeah. yeah, it's funny how they they these guys snuck into the mainstream that way. Yeah, and um there's actually a good, one of the good quotes I found for Alphabet City contemporary quotes because there weren't a lot of great reviews of it um but i think it was like kevin thomas in the los angeles times he said alphabet city is the gangster movie as art so we put that on the we put that on the back of the blu-ray so let's uh i'm gonna i'm gonna rattle off i wrote a quick plot summary just to let everybody know what alphabet city is all about so uh vincent spano stars as johnny an east village drug dealer and uh collector who works for the mob he also lives with his artist girlfriend angie played by kate vernon the rich bitch from pity and pink and their baby in a giant loft uh, johnny's street man is lippy played by michael winslow when johnny's mob boss orders him to burn down the apartment building occupied by his mother zora lambert and sister jamie gertz johnny attempts to flee nyc with angie and the baby the mob is then out to stop them so there we go so that's what the movie's about everybody that's- by the way, speaking of his baby, is this the first movie, Mike, with a baby Bjorn in a scene? Remember, he's doing I, I pull-ups was with really a... taken aback by that. Yes. I was surprised uh-huh. to see a baby yeah. Bjorn. You didn't see that in a 1984 no. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he was ahead of the he's curve. He's wearing a right. baby Bjorn while doing pull-ups. That's right. And That's commenting, right. he's like, hey, kid, you're either getting big or I'm losing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... Yeah. You, you nailed it. Um, it's it's not a plot you haven't seen before. We you know, have, we admit that, right? Uh, but certainly you know, 
told in a, in a hyper stylish. It looks amazing. It looks great. It really does. It does. I, I and I just I think it's been I, I do think uh, I, I you know that it's been unfairly not really talked about ignored because looking at it again especially looking at it as as we've refreshed it uh it's really impressive i mean it's a low budget film this movie costs under a million dollars but you see it all on the screen and then i read that it is the gross accurate on wikipedia it was seven million which would be a, a hit you know i would say and in fact i i mean i don't know how accurate those numbers are but right. uh amos does mention that it was bought by cbs fox uh, and right. they were still pretty new and the movie wasn't even done yet and he, this is on the commentary um, they let us keep this in there that it cost they, they sold the movie to CBS Fox for 1.5 million it cost Perfect. it wow. cost it cost like 9 you know 950 so they were already right. you know they were already in, in profit yeah. in black yeah before That's the movie fantastic. came out so we'll talk a bit about uh, Vincent Spano. Yeah, I mean, he had gotten rave reviews from uh, as playing the Sheik in Baby It's You. <laughs> so he's coming There's right off of that. Great New Jersey 83. movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, one my of the, God, uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, love that movie. Iconic. Love that movie. Um, and, and as you mentioned, he was one of the main kids in Over the Edge. And when you see it now, it's like, oh, Vincent Spano, look at him. Yeah, um, yeah. He's he's yeah. he's the he's like the adversary of, of 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 any of the kids if there is anyone but if, you know right he comes around by the end yes yeah those are two movies I saw as I was about to become a teenager that I think really fucked me up like <laughs> oh is this what it's about it's either over the edge or baby it's you I end up stalking some girl <laughs> but but it stuck with me forever as negative mm. role models and then it came true Spano yeah. and both of them yeah. and then it was all real and yeah. then I burned down the Way rec worse. center yeah yeah yeah, yeah. while flying uh, before on this he, he also he co- he was one of the co-stars of Joe Camp's The Double McGuffin a movie we're going to cover on uh, wow. my other podcast with our audio man here, uh, Ben Reiser. So you guys have actually seen that movie, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. think it's probably pretty hard to see these days. I don't it's know. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, if it's not it? free, it's, oh, it's, wow. you can rent it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Then I might have to check that out. Well, you know. And, uh, okay. Uh, go on. Sorry. Go ahead. He was also one of the uh, party animals in a TV movie I love called Senior Trip from 1981. That has a good cast. Yeah, that I uh, talked about on uh, Amanda Reyes's and Daniel Budnick's great podcast, Made for TV Mayhem. Two two of the actors in that movie went to my high school. I mean, long before I went there. How about that? Julia Montgomery, Julia wow. Montgomery from Adventure sure. of the Nerds, and Jason Alexander. How about but, that? And they're uh, yeah, yeah. So how about that? I should also say before I forget, you know who else is from Montclair? Uh, the late uh, Reverend Rick Sullivan of the Gore Gazette. That I did. I did not know. Yeah. Um, those two went to Livingston High School, but uh, okay. but but I, I I know the only other one of the other Montclair. I know Joe Walsh is a Montclair High graduate. I don't know if that wow. means anything. How about yeah. that? Which you wouldn't think. Think is California. Eagles. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. The desert yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. A mountaintop. <laughs> uh, he had, he was in Rumblefish in '83, uh, and after Alphabet City, two movies we we really have to do on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creator from '85 and and God Created Woman from uh, 1988. Oh wow! You and I talked about Creator recently. Yes, I just yeah. watched it recently. Yeah. I I was kind of charmed by that movie. It's That's, charming. It's nutty. It's, it's a nutty weird that movie. That was a it's Hollywood a, movie. Yeah, and a and a, <laughs> and a strange follow up for Yvonne Passer from Cutter's Way. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
right. I forgot about yeah. that. I think it's kind of like I, I still I stand by the the my you know real genius meets local hero kind of uh, yeah mishmash on accurate. those yeah. on those two. Um, Have you seen that, Aaron? I think I did. That was years a cable ago. nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. 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 That's been a while. Yeah. You, you know, I, honestly, I always get it confused with Eureka. I All right. Think of that yeah. From Another one. Yeah. Was that Nicholas Rogue? That is. That was Rogue. With, right. Uh, okay. I was the creator. Yeah. 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 Those, yeah. Those, somehow those blend together for me. But yeah. 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 So yeah, he had. He was really when he made Alpha City. He was. He was sort of like at the height of his. You know coming up uh, yeah you know um and the poster so. was cool it looked like an mtv movie um we're talking about alphabet city poster alphabet city yeah yeah oh yeah yeah with the car and the costume yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no he someone said one of the comments i read recently it was i think on letterboxd on a, i've been noticing like a lot of new reviews popping up since the blu-ray came out um uh, that you you like you couldn't look cooler than Vincent Spano in this movie. Like I just want to be Vincent Spano in this movie, you know, <laughs> until until he's running for his life. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, he dresses cool. A lot of leather. A lot of studs. Yeah. A lot of mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, yeah. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say anybody that this really is like uh, one of the most fun 80s overload movies for oh, completely. the yeah, kids yeah. today who love 80s uh, yeah, yeah you yeah. can't yeah you can't get more packed in one movie than this the fashion the car yeah, yeah. the car is amazing yeah and all yeah. the neon gels uh, you know the burning you know yeah. trash cans and the music but I, I love yeah. that opening like the the, the the way they fetishize when he's putting all the gear on the close up <laughs> shots of yeah. right. you know putting the studs on and tying the boots up yeah very the Kenneth Anger. With the spikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's all cut so well to that music. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 I just, I can't get enough of that, that music. Uh, Amos Poe must have, or I guess Oliver Wood, maybe the cinematographer, they must have really burned out those gels. I mean, they, they, he, they've yeah. got the entire city blocks that they've made yeah. neon pink yeah, like and purple whole you know side of a huge warehouse abandoned warehouse that's building. what struck yeah. me yeah. yeah that's what struck me they don't have a lot of money here and they're doing a lot of big time creative lighting yeah no it's it, it is impressive and and the thing is is that like oliver wood i think if you look at his filmography like he hadn't done a bunch before this he'd done the honeymoon killers um wow Years before, but like I, way before this, yeah, 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 and I don't think it really, you know, foretold what he was going to do here and then, no. you know, afterwards. So, how about that whole crazy sequence in that kind of heroin den with the, the thousand gallery. candles yeah. Awesome. there? Yeah, Incredible. yeah, that yeah. was, yeah, and yeah, you, that that looked amazing. And you know, you know, he's who's in there, and I wouldn't have spotted him except for they talk about him on the commentary. Is Miguel Pinheiro is in there? Uh, Miguel Pinheiro, of course, who wrote Short Eyes. Oh, wow. And, and How about that? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So he was like kind of playing himself, I guess. I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> I just uh, added no that to my Amazon Prime just hanging out. Yeah. Short Eyes. Yeah, and he's act- he does, he, he's he's listed in the cast, in the credits. Even though he doesn't really have a line or anything. But people have said that it's actually like really authentic. You know, like that is like actually like a not so, so far-fetched, that portrayal of... I'll tell you what, I had this thought. You're going to learn a bit about me today. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, this was years later, but not that many years later. You know, like 10 to 12 years later, uh, when I was up to no good in that section of the city. 
uh, I would get uh, in line to buy drugs, and they, it would be like insanely art directed by the dealers. <laughs> and one that I really remember was a guy with a black hockey mask and another really big guy with like a bandito bandana on with a submachine gun yelling at us to, you know, be patient, have your money out and everything. And uh, so that, that took me back. And, wow. um, didn't, wow. didn't you tell me the guy with the hockey mask had a machete? I he had a machete a as machete, well. Yes. But yes, I remember this. You know what? Yeah. I I don't know if that's accurate. I, I, dude, I was high who, on drugs. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, please. No, I understand. I this understand. is a this is a print. I, I don't this think is... he had a machete, but the, but that was a typical <laughs> nah. uh, security measure that you would see when you were buying dope in the East Village back then. Yeah, print the legend. He had a machete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, might have been another uh, occurrence. Uh, you know, five minutes after this. But one. that's like, could you? You know, obviously, you say like that's like a Friday the Thirteenth inspired. That's like the movies inspiring. Yeah, reality yeah, very much. Yeah, right. I think Escape, I, I kind of think of like the way you're describing that Escape from New York as well. Or, well, it's my favorite scene mm-hmm. in Escape from New York is when they go in the theater. That's what I mean. Those guys yeah. are putting on the show in drag. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking of later, the wrestling, when he's kind of got to do the wrestling Oh, match. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think there's some guys, there might be someone wearing a hockey mask in there too. Probably, yeah. yeah. Mike, as someone who was there at the time growing up, what else in the movie jumped out at you of like, oh, yeah, I remember the that. The emptiness of the that. Lower East Side, the fires, the burning garbage cans. Uh, I saw a burning car in the middle of a street with no one acting like it didn't belong there. And this was as a kid, you just drive by like as fast as possible. Um, mm-hmm. I did walk at one point, me and a, a friend walked to the Menuditist store, store, which was the Menudo, everything Menudo store, wow. which was on the uh, way in the East Village. During the day, we did it, and it was as scary as anything we'd ever done. Did you see there's a Menudo sticker in this film, in the background? I did, uh, in uh, Jamie Gertz's room or in their, in yeah. their apartment. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm, I'm not being as smart as I swear to God, I'm not joking yeah. around. It, you are talking about Menudo, the band, when you say yeah. a Menudo store, not okay, not the not food, the soup. Yeah. That was my question. Now, it was yeah. a whole store. The stars just of Pro. an adventure called Menudo, which was always playing yes. in New York at that time. Was that was that where wow. they were from? Was Menudo from that part of town? They were from Puerto Rico. Oh, OK, they were they were from yeah. from Puerto Rico. Yes. Got, yeah. Got and the gimmick was that, uh, you know, they'd come in when they were like between 12 and 14. And once they got to look too manly, they got booted out and they got replaced by a younger version. That's right. Yes. And Ricky Martin is the breakout star of Menudo. Yes. Yes. They also had little music videos on ABC Sunday mornings for a while. And I think 84. I think I remember those. Yeah. So let's talk about Michael Winslow, who is a star. Astoundingly great here. He is. <laughs> yeah, he really is. He's he shocked great. me. So I mean, he's always so great. This was, but this is a new kind of Michael Winslow great. This is before but, Police but, Academy. It is. That was my question. It's yeah. before yeah, Police yeah, Academy. Yeah, yeah. And Vincent, wow. uh, Vincent, in our interview, he he talks about how they went and saw uh, Michael's act. Like he did right. a stand-up thing, and so you know he he brought out all of his noises and everything, and then he did Police Academy, and then that's how everyone knew right. him. So, wow. so he had also, I mean, he had been a stand-up comic in L.A., and he won the Gong Show twice, wow. and was in uh, the all the Cheech and Chong movies. Oh, was he? Most, Which oh, ones? yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the first three, at least. Yeah, the first three. Um, in, he's, he's in Up and Smoke? I, huh? 
I think he is, Ben. Take your, take your word for it. I think he is. Uh, well, he's definitely in uh, Nice Dreams. He does... Which one of those movies is it? Next movie, he does Jimi Hendrix. He does all the guitars. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Vincent talks. Yeah. He talks about that in an interview. He says he. Yeah. I think he says he does Hendrix or he does Jimmy Page or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then did uh, you after Police Academy? He's just he was he's still famous. He's still the sound effects guy from Police Academy. Right. But there, I really he, love he, his 1984 breakout like star vehicle Love Lines. That is a movie I truly love. Oh yeah. Now that's probably. I'm gonna pitch that for Fun City. <laughs> that's is that even mm-hmm. on DVD? No, no, it's not. No, we'll have to see where that movie is. Um, D- did you get a sense from talking to Vincent or how much of that stuff was improvised? I mean, I mean, it seems like Michael Winslow's doing his act. I mean, you know, and and it, there's a very improvised feel to a lot of their stuff. Yeah, I would guess yeah, but he did. We didn't really we didn't talk about him for that for that much that long um, or about the pro yeah. the, his process. But yeah, I would guess. I mean, he just like does like the I, there's the one scene that stands out to me is when they're standing and watching the cops above. Right, um, and he's doing. He starts doing the machine gun. Right. I don't. It, I yeah. feel like it's not overused, though. You know, like he's he's actually he, he has a little more character. Um, he's no, not. That's that's the thing. Yeah, and I mean, he's not the sound effects guy. He's this wily, crazy, junky uh, drug dealer. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of. Right. He's kind of. It's kind of like sad. You know. He's, uh, yeah. You know, as as tragic as anyone could be in that in that film. But without giving anything away, boy, does he have a hero moment. Yeah. Man, oh, man. It's Not true. Yeah. No spoilers. <laughs> and this, but, uh, as far as I can tell, this off. is his only dramatic role in the movies, at least. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, like, I guess it goes to show. I mean, if maybe if Police Academy hadn't been a big hit, you know, maybe he wouldn't have worked again, or maybe he would right. have had more dramatic parts. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Okay, so uh, yeah, he was great. Ben just let me know uh, he's in next movie and Nice Dreams. Michael that Winslow makes sense. So uh, Zora Lampert, who how plays, cool! Uh, how cool that she's in there. She is so. Yeah. She, she's got one scene, but she's so good. Like so great. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I was hoping for some more on her from from Vince, and he just said. I didn't know who she was, but my mom did, and my mom was really was really excited that that Zora Lampert was playing my mom, wow. and then <laughs> and they talked about how she was in the Goya commercials at the time, right? So she yeah. was ubiquitous. Yeah. yeah, but you know, let's scare Jessica to death. Splendor in the Grass. I yeah. mean, those are those are some big those are those are big movies. Yeah, and and I got to say, let's scare Jessica to death has become a cult sensation especially among young horror fans like over the past 10 years. It's really creepy. I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's been reissued. I think, what is it, Scream Factory, I think, did it recently? They even, I, oh, yes. Yeah, they, they even did. put that great original poster art on yes, the cover, which yeah. I love. Yeah. And yeah. Um, But it plays like anytime you see like a 24-hour horror-thon or something, that has been a regular feature of those things. Oh, oh! And, uh, you mean like you mean like on film, like at, at yeah, yeah. At, 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 like, I saw it twice at the music. Box, I was gonna two separate times. Uh, yeah. I was I was gonna say music yeah. box because because that's yeah. your town. Um, yeah, a friend of mine actually, his wife is from the town where they like shot it, so they've wow. seen they've seen the house and everything. And I think she didn't even know about it until it like popped up on TCM and was like, "Oh, that looks familiar." Right, location wise. So, and then Jamie Gertz, hot off square pegs as Muffy Tepperman, the preppy, who she, uh, had the bot mitzvah that Devo played. 
That's right. Oh my That's god! Right. I, I was just god. telling my kids about that this week. I, I was just, I just sat and bored my kids to death with a fifteen-minute plot <laughs> summation of that episode. When, when they now does that? Did the DVD the, the DVD square pegs? I have it, but I haven't watched the whole thing. Same did, thing. Yeah. Did the music? I wonder if the music survived. You know. Because oh, I, I don't know. That is an excellent so. question. Because you know, I, I know that so. music. The theme writes, song did. The waitress's okay. theme song. Well, yeah. that's good. Which is um, better than Bosom Buddies that they couldn't even do the cover of uh, "It's My Life," but yeah, by Billy Joel. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, the oh the DVD they had. To yeah, change. they swapped it out for the disco song that would play under the closing credits. Yeah. Oh, that's that's why even put it out then. You know. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. You know? Okay, so go to your YouTube video of this. Cue that, and then switch over to the DVD. Like Perfect. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she'd been in 16 yeah. Candles right before as well. All right. Yeah. yeah. But she's kind of like in the background more. She, yeah. She's the one who cuts the hair. Uh, uh, the, uh, the the main female character. Hair. Molly Rewolf. It's Samantha Baker, yes. No, not her. No, the the, the blonde girl. The, the one oh, oh. She's at the, you know, that crazy party scene whenever. All right. Really, I, I apologize. Have, the have, author of Teen Movie Hell uh, have, really got that one wrong. Haviland Morris. She's the one. Haviland Morris. She gets, sure. she gets the wonky haircut because of Jamie Gertz. Oh, that's right. Okay. All right. Takes, was, yeah, I'm going to yeah. claim confusion. Yeah. And then. Uh, and my. Sorry. And and I was going to say Buffy Te- or Muffy Tepperman, and then Mike on your favorite show, Facts of Life. She was Boots St. Clair. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, Muffy Tepperman and Boots St. Clair are wow. two of the great eighties. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know preppy name. I don't know if Jamie if Jamie knows about this podcast, but I think she, I have to imagine she'd get a kick out of this, like going through the whole, not only the yeah. film the filmography, the but the TVography yeah. as well. Yes, yeah. yes, got to do it because I gotta say, was very in love with her, yeah. and the yeah. first close up of her in this movie, putting the lipstick on, it's oh, just yeah. so fantastic. Let me, she she and Spano might be one of the best looking. Well, they're not a couple, yeah, they're brother yeah, and sister yeah, in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but they they really look fantastic, I, and uh, yeah, she is amazing. She that is a great introduction. You're right. Very, yeah, yeah, the close-up, and yeah. the movie really kicks into overdrive uh, when so so Jamie Gertz is is Vincent Spano's sister, and she's working as a prostitute, uh, but like for doctors up in on Park Avenue. So they she goes down and gets in a, a party limo with a couple of other <laughs> working girls. Yeah, yeah, and Vince won't have it, and he ends up he pulls her out of the car, and the uh, chauffeur comes out with a shotgun and that is just an amazing scene it's awesome and uh it just kicks things off into yeah. like this is what's gonna you're in for a wild ride now yeah yeah because he's really that's when he, he's really you know you have to imagine that what she's doing is tied into what he's doing so yeah. he's ter- totally turned his turned his back and then some on on uh, yeah. his his benefactors up until then yeah but she's not a prostitute, Mike. She's an right. escort. escort. She makes That's that point. Right. Does she's she, an, they, does they she pay say for that? her time. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't he also say uh, something about girls getting sick or something like that? Though there's like kind of like, like a yes. like a yeah, yeah. pre-AIDS kind of. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, that would have been there. AIDS. Eighty-four in, in New York would have AIDS definitely was a concern. So it was. Yeah, and they shot this it in started in eighty-two. They so. shot this in eighty-three, late eighty-three right. is when they made. This. So yeah. So, yeah. We were getting I also, you know, condom instructions even then in my Catholic high school. Well, the priest had an I also, agenda. 
<laughs> I also loved seeing uh, Ray Sarah. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Is the kind of the crime? But God, I like one of the, that was a definite. That's a huge oh that guy for me uh-huh. was seeing him come in at the end as the yeah uh, holding him at gunpoint. Apparently, he he kind of made his he kind of made his bones as like an Eddie G impersonator, an Edward G Robinson impersonator. Oh, you can definitely see that. That's a lot of sense. That's why he got. That's yeah. obviously what they cast him on there. Yeah. And you never I noticed s- that one of those hitmen at the end was Agamemnon from Oz. Oh, <laughs> the wow, guy who wow. would do like sleight of hand that was always digging tunnels to get out of Oz. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh Agamemnon. My God. I I watched so much Oz with you, Mike. I feel <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I feel like you and I, when we lived together briefly, I feel like that's all we did was watch Oz. That's and yeah. and I've forgotten all of those ridiculous characters. Yeah. Me too. It's, that is quite hilarious. That so is- we're gonna move back in together and Revitalize our memories, I suggest. That's uh, years later. Yes. That is yeah. years later. Um, yeah. Oh, Oz, yeah. It's like yeah. 15 years later. Yeah. yeah. But now that's like 15 years old, right? I mean, it's kind of crazy. Oz, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it went off the air, I would say, I don't know. Yeah. At least. At least 15 years ago, yeah. Yeah. And the other guy, the one of the other, his other um, uh, his other business associates is uh, Kenny Marino, who uh, All right. who who your audience members will. He doesn't have a huge filmography, but he's one of the princes of the city, which is what I know him from from the Sydney oh, yeah. Lynette film. He's part of Treat Williams' uh, crew, and he's sure. in he's in Death Wish three also, um, which obviously has built up quite a cult following in yeah. re- recent times. Now, now, here's another Amos Poe question for you, uh, Jonathan. Uh, I read online that the movie had an, a, 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 a different, more political ending well, originally. Yeah, he had said that he was doing something, I think because for budget reasons, I think they had to cut it. I think they had to take some pages out of the script. I think it was some, I think he talks about it on the commentary and I, I could be wrong, but I think it's something along, I think it was kind of like a high noon kind of style uh-huh. ending. It was originally going to have a lot of people out on the street, you know, coming out of the like on, on the fire escapes and stuff like that. But um, you know, sort of more of like a western style showdown. But I think they had to cut it for budget reasons. Maybe that that's what you're alluding to. I'll say I another thing that, I, completely accurate is the people on the fire escapes cheering for yes, violence in the streets. Yeah. And there is right. there is that part, which is uh, when he gets in the altercation with a limo driver where people are, right. you know, yelling down to John, yeah. you know, they're, they're yeah. saying things to Johnny. And then so- Mostly saying, you're an asshole, let your sister go uptown with those other friends of hers. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that what one of them says? No, I mean, essentially, that's what they're yeah. saying. They're like, yeah. Johnny, yeah. leave they're her alone. They're hooting and hollering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But it's but I could but that makes total sense if that was supposed to set up a big ending of all of them coming you know rallying yeah. to his side yeah, I yeah. Can, yeah I can see yeah. that oh there we are special effect oh, uh, some real city sounds up. some gritty <laughs> alphabet city um, atmosphere for our interview I'm on the exact opposite end of town upper 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 west side of town Washington <laughs> right. Washington yeah. Heights oh sure um, but yeah it's funny how this movie is so stylish and yet at the same time. You can pull things out of it which are pulled, which are from reality, you know, which are like ring true to what it was really like there. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. So the emptiness of the streets, too, is another thing. And there's one part where he speeds right behind a cop and almost clips the cop car. Yeah. When he turns. That's that's right. That's it. No, you could do whatever you wanted back then. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's right and, in the opening credits, which yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, like you know, I I as I imagine, I don't know this for a fact, but I just think the police were paid to leave those drug blocks alone back then because it was never an issue. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I think except you're right. for on certain nights where they did stings, and uh, right, God bless you if you were the, out on that night. So. I think I think Red Hook in Brooklyn was similar, you know, kind of yeah, like, kind of like those were the places where where all of that activity was kind of pushed towards, yeah, um, yeah, for a while. I wonder how hard it was to shoot on location at this point, because you always hear about kind of the Larry Cohen 70s Black Caesar thing of, you know, run and gun gorilla stuff in the street. I wonder I wonder how tough that was. Well, we asked we asked Vincent and Vincent was just like we never had any problems. It was like we were in this bubble. And and then Amos gets more specific um, about it. Like he talks about like there was some scene where um, the stuntmen. didn't want to do they had to, someone had to jump across a building you know and uh from one building top to another and stuntman didn't want to do it so they pulled some junkie some guy that was in the background of it was like a, the crack house scene said he would do it for 20 bucks and he did it he said he said, i do that <laughs> wow. i do that all the time so <laughs> it's neighborhood cooperation That's great. <laughs> and the thing is the streets were empty so i would imagine it was you know it was easy and it seems like it was shot in, in wintertime or, you know, like maybe late winter or early winter did, did, without snow around. Didn't we talk about that or you talk about that? Uh, I've heard you talk about that on another, talking about another New yeah. York film. About Deep Throat 2. Shooting in, that, that winter is a preferable time to shoot. For yeah. the lighting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but this was at, at night, so it's a... Yeah, you know, so... But I mean, I think that would guarantee less, uh, you know, neighbor interference as well. People just want to be inside and freezing as opposed to outside and freezing. Sure, sure. Which all those apartments were. Yeah. And they were shooting like all night. It was definitely right. like probably starting at like when when the sun went down. Right. And yeah, because yeah. of the DV, the uh, Blu-ray, I don't want to, usually we just say, you know, the, the spoiler alert, but I don't want to give anything away, so. Get this Blu-ray. It's awesome. Do you want to talk about anything else that's coming from Fun City? Um, yeah. Well, we we could we could say um, I, yeah. Um, I'm kind of I'm so I'm new at this, you know. And I was and I and I've kind of been working with Vinegar Syndrome, and I'm, I'm like, do I wait for you guys to make your announcement? And I said, no, you do what you want. And but at the same time, I like the idea of not really having maybe talk about some of the movies. But not right. really. Go. Yeah, I think don't say anything. I love the surprise but of not, waiting and not knowing. But yeah. not not go into detail on right. on what the features are like those things because because right. I'll say that uh, one of the things I'm trying to do on, on on all of these films is have like really good quality features. So like if I can get the star of the movie, like say like Vincent yeah. or the director, I want them. I'm not as interested in getting um, someone who's further down on the cast list just to say I have you know uh, right you know an interview with an actor from the film. So. Yeah. One thing people can count on is like more quality, you know, in terms of those features, and not 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 so much like just you know building up the bullet points on the back of the box. But I will say the title that I'm really excited about, which is coming up next, um, is a a completely different change of pace. Not a fun city uh, movie, but it is from you know my sweet spot in terms of time period, which is late sixties, early seventies. It's a it's a British. coming of age slash 
psychosexual thriller, so it's quite a hybrid there, starring a very young Jenny Agutter, and it's a film by David David Green called I Start Counting, which has never come out uh, like really anywhere in a good home edition. So that's going to be in time for like Halloween time, and we're going to have some really Great. cool extra features uh, with that. And so that's again sort of again my kind of going, keeping with my you know mission is sort of try to find some things that haven't come out anywhere else yet um and uh you know and that's a film i don't know if any of you guys have seen it but no i think i think think people will really i think it'll be a discovery i think people will really uh will really dig this movie i think if you like a movie like deep end like this is uh that was gonna be my first guess when you started talking yeah yeah we didn't talk about danny perry at all but uh you know oh please uh, that is a film that, like, me, uh, I, my experience, I think, echoes a lot of others. Like, before I could actually see Deep End, I read about it in the cult movies book. Very and you, much, and yeah. you and I actually had an exchange, like, on my blog, like, 10 years ago or more, wow. where I wrote about Deep End and the Danny Perry connection, and you actually responded and you told me that you had actually called him up on the phone cold yes, I did. Cold, <laughs> cold called him so anyway i start counting i think for for those for that that's one comp um that i think and if you and i love coming of age films in general right and right. and and this is jenny agatha before she was in walkabout and and uh, you know right before that and she's she's phenomenal really yeah so terrific yeah Mike, so, you and I talk all the time about how it blows our mind that there's still stuff to discover like this. So, so God love you yeah. for digging yeah. around and finding it. It's it's amazing. Well, it, there's there's so much cool stuff out there. It's so much more fun than just kind of going to the stuff that's ubiquitous, the really, really low-hanging fruit. I mean, it's just, right. it just gives me a lot more pleasure to, uh, to, to bring something out there which is kind of unloved or underloved. Right. So, and then people can make the connections like, oh, if you like this movie and this movie, you know, you should check this movie out. That's the joy of what you do and what we do as viewers. So Yeah. And not only viewers, but like what you do with this show. Right. right. Yeah. So I want to. Uh, well, there's no joy in this. There's no joy yeah, in it no, for us. No. We're just jaded old. Listen, uh, I, 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 I would sit along with this. I, I'm having a lot. I'm having a, a lot of fun. Fantastic. Here. Great. No. Yeah. Aaron's a funny man. Being funny. <laughs> uh, I want to just wait. Danny Peary. I want to say. Now, now, do we? Do you say Perry or Peary? I always I, say Peary. I had heard Perry. I've heard Perry. Uh, like when people, you right. know, because more recently where people have actually been talking to him, right. and, you know, right. I mean, I never imagined when I was reading these books, you know, it was all by myself. Like, I mean, yeah. I didn't think anyone cared. And I went to school. I even went to film school at the, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin in Madison where Danny huh. went. But this was like not, huh. you know, it was like I had my film classes, you know, the text, yeah. the text in the film class, which right. was, you know, Professor Boardwell's books. And, right. and such, and then I had my and my on my own. I had those Danny Perry books, but they the, right. the two did not meet. It was not in the current. Sure. Whereas now it's like this. One of the nice things about this community that we have now, with all because this was all pre-internet. I'm talking. About. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like, oh, you you had those books too. Oh, you you were inspired, you know, by you know the way he wrote or what he was writing right. about. It's 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 heartening because. It, Truly, you know that, and I and he's actually around to you know to appreciate it. So yeah, good. and let me say this about him. So on my birthday, August twenty first. So uh, Ben Reiser's birthday is August eighteenth. Aaron Lee's birthday is August twentieth, and I'm the twenty first. Mm-hmm. Happy is... Happy August birthdays here. Buddy. Thank you. <laughs> what sign? You. What sign? I'm bad with the astrology. Leo, you're, you're all Leo. Yeah, it's all Leo. Leo. Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, but I want to say I'm the only one of the August birthday boys who got a private message on my Facebook from Danny Peary saying, Happy birthday, oh. Mike. Wow. Oh. And then, even better, two days ago, I got a message. I got two messages almost at the same time. One from Danny Peary, one from my shrink. Both essentially saying the same thing. I just watched the documentary Skin, The History of Nudity in the Movies, and you did great. <laughs> there you go. Work. Peary said Peary said good. He said you did good. <laughs> and I said, uh, I saw you in Time Warp, and you also did good. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I'm scared to ask him to come on here. Aaron, how do you feel about that? You're kidding. No. You got to ask him. Okay. I, I didn't even know it was an option. To me, he's I mean, such I'm a superstar. Ask. I, know, I can ask. You, you, you got to ask. Yes, yeah, we got to do it. So, wait. How can I see the skin movie, by the way? It's on Amazon, iTunes. It's uh, available okay. anywhere that you okay. don't illegally download movies. Good, yeah. good. And, <laughs> so, what, and what is this time work you, you mentioned? What is that? Oh, that's the uh, Danny Wolf uh, and Paul Fish by Danny's the director. Paul's the executive producer is a three-part documentary series, Time Warp, the greatest cult films of all time. Oh. Uh, and Danny Peary is all over that. The Toasted by Ileana Douglas, John Waters, Joe Dante, and uh, Kevin Pollack. Big time. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it fun. is done right. It truly is done well, right. Well, here's something else I, I'll say. Um, I kind of feel like you, you tell me, you know, tell me if, if you feel the same way, but I feel like the movies that Danny was talking about there was like a range of films with yes. underneath the cult movies banner. And I think there yeah. was a subtitle that said like the sleepers and the blah, blah, blah. It wasn't just the classics, the sleepers, the weird and the wonderful. Yeah. Yes. And so, but I feel like over that, over time that for a lot of people, cult movie has just come to mean like schlock or more genre kind of related films. And he was writing about obviously things like chili scenes of winter and, you know, the, right, yeah. the wanderers and, over the Edge and 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 yeah. uh, Choose Me and so many other films which uh, don't really fit that more narrow description and I and I have to say that like well I I like horror and I like the genre stuff right. I probably feel like the things that have made more of an impact on me that I was introduced through him were things like Jeremy you know which I read about in the Guide for the Film Fanatic which absolutely yes it's not in the cult movies books but still you know it's it's still yeah. it's still part of that like I like, again Sleepers you know I think of like that that to me is would be more my uh, my jam, and that'd be more Fun City Editions uh, jam, mm. you know, if that's another... And that's what we focus on on this podcast and, and 70 movies and uh, Busted Guts that I do with uh, Cat Ellinger. Yeah. Uh, we try to find sleepers. We try to find interesting movies that fell between the cracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like things that are left left field, left of center, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, these are all oft-used terms, yeah. but they, they apply, so... And I think that those are the, the, the those films are those are the ones that are more ripe for discovery at this point. Very much, um, yeah. Than the horror stuff because that's been mined so much. So what I'm trying to do, and you guys can help, is is the collector, you know, the the, the collector, the collector base that we've been talking about, the hardcore collectors. Uh, you know, so a lot of those a lot of those people are really come to it from like the horror angle. Yeah. So I'm hoping to try to convert some of those people or get get people to broaden or widen the you know, the scope. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's my story, but you know, 40 plus years ago, uh, growing up being obsessed with monster movies and B movies on television, uh, then, you know, wanting to learn more about those movies. And then, you know, that led me to Danny Peary and, um, you know, and that, that opened my entire world, um, Mm -hmm. to 
interesting cinema that otherwise I would never have discovered. Yeah, so. and, and that was my entree as well: horror yeah. and comic books. Right. To da- you know, like to from da- from infancy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I appreciate you guys uh, what you guys are doing, and also giving me the the platform here. And it's good to know that I'm. You guys feel like I'm off to a good start here with. Oh, hell yeah! I hope the next next time we talk to you, you we you have your big sex castle filled with film prints. <laughs> the, the fun city empire. Let has us do a live so broadcast from there, please. <laughs> yes, you mark my words. That'll be the next time. No, he won't even return our call. Yeah, he's too successful. Please. No, <laughs> never. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. Uh, we we ask our guests to sign off with our slogan. Uh, but put your own spin on it. So it's crack or get off the pot. Cr- crack or get off the pot. <laughs> That's good. That works. <laughs> I mean, is that because you're trying? Wait, did you say crack or crap? No, cr- crack, <laughs> crack. <laughs> you're keeping it. Cl- you're keeping it clean. All right. I'm just gonna. Re- oh yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not. I'm not an actor. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a performer. I can't ad lib. So I just. I'll just repeat it in a question like I just did. <laughs> that okay, was perfect. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. I think uh, our next episode, I believe Pat Healy joins us to talk about uh, right. Maniac Robert Mitchum. Wow. Which will be nice. Matilda and uh, whatever that, f- that that like Naked Gun Fire movie is. Back Back fire. Thank you. What? Pat, Pat Healy is the Maniac Robert What's that? Mitchum. He is. What's that Mitchum movie? There's another one from that era. Like I've never seen, but I have a poster of it. The Amsterdam Kill, I think it's called. Ooh, it's like what, God, I love that title. Like, I don't, yeah, know, I don't it. know it it's at like all. It's like one of those wow, ones ooh. that's like t- t- vanished. I don't think it's even, it's probably right. they never even came out on, oh, on, God, on, let's find that. on video. But yeah. it just seemed like up your alley. You know, so, you know maybe. Yeah, if that's perfect. Yeah. Seems like your, seven, yeah, your, your 70s movie podcast. Well, that's great. Pat will give you a much better sign off than I did. And he, <laughs> and Pat has also got a Fun City affiliation too, which we'll, we'll, you, we will talk about. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Nice. Down the line. Well, thanks, great. Jonathan. So, uh, see everybody. All right. Okay. Thanks, Jonathan. Ben, thank Thanks, you. fellas. Look forward to hearing from, hearing you. it. Take care. Seeing you guys again. Thanks a lot. Take care.